Hello everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun. My name is Luke Armstrong and I am your host. Joining me today is Adam Beagle. Adam, how are you doing? I'm still healthy, so doing all right. How about yourself? I'm still healthy as well, so yes, I am doing good. Glad to hear that you're doing good as well. Unfortunately, Garrett couldn't make this week's episode. Um, he's feeling a little under the weather, um, so he he wanted to rest tonight, which is totally understandable. Um, so we wish Garrett to feel better soon. First off, I guess that might have been poor taste for me to say I'm healthy. Than I'm <laughs> right? No, I didn't even really think of that. And then yeah, I just got, <laughs> sorry, Garrett. <laughs> um, first off. Apologies for the lack of an episode last week. Um, it wasn't our plan to skip last week, but we ran into some things that kind of possibly was preventing us from le- releasing an episode on Tuesday. And so we were looking at possibly rescheduling later in the week. And then we just decided, you know what, let's just scrap this week and we'll start fresh the following week. So apologies for that. It was super short notice. Um, I mean, most of you listeners know that this podcast is completely on our own time and so sometimes you know especially being in three time zones it doesn't always work out and you know we all have different schedules and yeah I like to try to give you guys more of a notice so that you guys know you you won't expect an episode on Tuesday but I I did want to apologize for that Um, and then you know another reason that we felt okay skipping is because we did give you guys two episodes that first week of April there with uh, the regular Tuesday episode and then our Animal Crossing review episode. So, you know, it made sense because the, the problem we always run into with delaying is it's like if we delay to record later in the week, then that possibly pushes the next week later in the week as well, right? Because like if we release an episode on Friday, And then we try to get back to Tuesday next week. That's only like a three-day, four-day gap or whatever. So, you know, it it just doesn't make sense. And that can really affect how many listens and stuff we get. So sometimes we make these decisions to just pull, you know, push it, push it out. And uh, so, yeah, I I, I just feel like I wanted to mention this because it feels like I say this all the time. But, I mean, I think most of our listeners understand that it's this is a, a side gig and we're just doing this for fun. So, but I know we have regular listeners who tune in every week. So I'm sure there are some people that are always caught off guard by that. But I, I feel like at this point we've done it enough that they're like, okay, we we get your your schedule. So apologies for that. Um, but let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today. So, although it's old news, we haven't had a chance to discuss the official PlayStation 5 controller, the DualSense. Um, As it's quite a different design from previous PlayStation controllers, we wanted to give our own personal opinions on Sony's next video game controller. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you listen to a lot of other video game podcasts and have already heard lots of impressions and takes on this DualSense controller. So we're not going to like go over the news. We're going to talk about the features that were at PlayStation announced, but we're more going to give our personal opinions on it because, you know, it is so different from the previous DualShock controllers. So we wanted to touch on that at the top of the show. And then after that, we are very eager to give you our impressions of Final Fantasy VII Remake for PlayStation 4. So as I mentioned, unfortunately, Garrett wasn't able to make it on the episode, but rest assured, Garrett has been playing it, and he he has really good things to say about that, which is a great segue to go into 
one other point that I wanted to bring up. Our Final Fantasy VII Remake review episode is tentatively being recorded next week. I say tentatively because as of right now, neither Garrett or myself have completed it. I actually haven't heard in Garrett for a little a little I know he took a, a couple days off from it. I'm not sure where he's at right now, but I know that he hasn't beat it quite yet. Um, I definitely haven't beat it. So obviously the plan is to have it completed before then so that we can talk about the show or sorry, talk about spoilers and some of the more detailed things in near the end of the game. And, you know, in order to do that, we got to complete it. Adam, you've already beat it. You just steamrolled through it over that weekend, (laughs) (laughs) which was to be expected. I like you had planned this out like months months ago that you were like okay i'm devoting this time so like i'm sure your family was prepared to kind of not see you for the for multiple days after (laughs) it released um so yeah we are going to have that um if we you know fail to complete it we may have to push that release sometime in early may but i'm pretty confident i have i've kind of like we're looking at my schedule for this week and i i should have it completed now I still have like over half of it left, I would say, um, based on like Adam, how how long it took you and where my in-game clock is at. But I, I I'm determined. I got to keep that that positive attitude to to just push myself through. Not that it's it's a struggle to get through it, but is there's a lot of game there, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So look forward to that. Uh, stay tuned. A reminder that this podcast airs every Tuesday, most of the time. Each week, Adam Garrett and myself discuss the biggest topics in the video game industry and share opinions on new game releases. The show is available on all major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use. If you want to help support this podcast, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you use. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, which I know most of you do, please consider leaving the show a review. Small things like that really help grow the show and help us find new listeners. A couple housekeeping points. Uh, In case you missed it, our Animal Crossing review episode is now live. It's been live for about, well, since April 10th, so um, almost 10 days at this point. Uh, So join us for an hour and 43 minutes of Animal Crossing discussion. We talked uh, more in depth. We gave impressions uh, on the regular episode a couple days before that. And then this Animal Crossing review episode was completely devoted to talking about Animal Crossing and talking more about the gameplay, uh, the systems and, you know, the mechanics, visual soundtrack, stuff like that. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend you check that out if you're interested. Also, a Twitter giveaway has come and gone, and there's a bit of story to it, so I wanted to discuss it a little bit on the show. So, as I mentioned in previous episodes, we wanted April's game giveaway to be something that could keep keep people busy since so many people are stuck at home. So, I obtained a one-month subscription for Xbox Game Pass, because Game Pass seemed like a, a great game giveaway, considering it's, you know, we're kind of giving away multiple games, and... Uh, just made sense for, you know, people self-isolating and stuff. Unknown at the time, the code was actually only available for new Xbox Live accounts or accounts that had not used Game Pass before. Because it's probably, it, this code was, you know, um, I, I got it through CD keys and a lot of those codes come from, you know, 
uh, consoles and stuff like that. They're kind of like trials and everything. So the Xbox did put restrictions on these codes. I bought the code to give away and then realized that, oh crap, this has some restrictions on it. And I was really bummed out because that obviously restricts how many people would actually be able to use the code from for themselves. Um, so I decided to go through with the giveaway anyways, but I only ran it for a week because of that we only got like three entries, but we did find a winner though. So congratulations to at S Kozarev uh, Ko- Ko- 83 on Twitter for winning. Um, our next game game giveaway is going to be for a digital code for the original Final Fantasy 7. It's likely going to be for Steam, but I'm still trying to see if I can obtain some copies for consoles like PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. So stay tuned for that uh, over on our Twitter page at GamesAreFunPod. That's where all our game giveaways happen. So make sure you go and follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. At the very least, yeah, we will have that Final Fantasy VII Steam key to give away. Probably, I'm, I'm assuming that we're probably going to... I don't know. I maybe sometime after that's the thing. I never plan ahead these things. So it's like a great time to announce a giveaway is if I have a date of when it's starting. But uh, you can expect that giveaway to happen, you know, a couple days after this episode goes live. But it will for sure be live by the time our Final Fantasy VII review episode. And I'm going to probably hold that one for a little bit longer than a week this time. Probably similar to some of the previous giveaways that we did and uh you know make it two three weeks long so we can get as many people entered as as possible all right that's a mouthful um let's get into our topics of the show so that first one's that dual sense so uh yeah on april 7th which is you know more than 10 couple weeks at this point um you know the playstation blog announced with this blog post the new DualSense, which is the new wireless game controller for PlayStation 5. So like I said, at the top of the show, lots of people have already talked about this, but I wanted to give my thoughts around it. I wanted to hear your thoughts, Adam, because it's it's very different. And yeah, it, it was obviously trending because of its departure from previous you know styles of controller. So first, what I wanted to do is talk a little bit about the details that they and the features that come with this controller because they have added and changed some things from the DualShock 4. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about the design and then we can maybe go into giving our own thoughts. So uh, where to start here? I'm not going to obviously read this whole PlayStation blog post, but um, the first thing I wanted to bring up, which was a big change is there is no longer a share button on uh, this DualSense controller. Instead, it is a button called Create. And basically, the PlayStation blog says, uh, create epic gameplay content to share with the world or just to enjoy for themselves. We'll have more details on this feature as we get closer to launch. So no specific details on what pushing this Create button will do, but I, I have assumptions that it's going to be very similar to the share button of being able to record gameplay you know screenshots uh, stuff with live streaming through twitch and so on and so forth another feature that they mentioned was a built-in microphone so people are going to be able to talk to friends without a headset 
which is uh, pretty nice um, for those people that don't have their headset ready to go. You know, if you just need to jump in a, in a chat, uh, that will be handy to have. Um, the biggest thing is uh, the, the color. So traditionally, PlayStation has had uh, their base controllers with just a single color. This DualSense is two-toned. It's white and black. Um, primarily white, I would say three quarters of it is white and then kind of where the analog sticks are is black. Um, the face buttons are also white. So your, your sacred symbols there are not the typical colors, um, which is interesting, I guess. Uh, again, you've probably already seen a photo of it, so I don't need to go much more onto that. Uh, all I will add that the light bar on the back that was previously on the DualShock 4 is kind of now in that touchpad. Um, so they are keeping that touchpad that was on the DualShock 4, also known as the big map button, because that's usually what that touchpad was on the DualShock 4. You press it and it would bring up an in-game map most of the time. And I don't know, am I missing anything? I think that's kind of the main bullet points. Uh, there was also the, um, what do they call it? The adaptive triggers. I don't know if oh, they mentioned right. that in the... Uh, the article but um probably let's see yeah basically uh i think it's in early on where is it uh um okay can't find it yeah i i but yeah basically it has adaptive yeah yeah you can found something here um says uh basically it adds a variety of powerful sensations you'll feel when you play such as the slow grittiness of driving a car through mud um also incorporated adaptive triggers into the l2 and r2 buttons of dual sense so you can truly feel the tension of your actions like when drawing a bow to shoot an arrow yeah so adaptive triggers ha- are something that um have been talked about before i saw a lot of like <laughs> like comments on the internet because people were talking about the i guess the rumble within xbox controllers some people were saying that xbox have had adaptive controllers in the past and that this is different from that i'm not super familiar with the differences in um because because yeah i remember listening to like an xbox i think it was like ign unlocked and i remember them talking about the controllers on the xbox one controllers actually uh, Forza, I think, was the only game that really utilizes those. Um, I, I don't. I think I remember them saying that they were adaptive triggers. But then again, after this posted on the DualSense, I saw a lot of people saying that there were, it's just rumble within the ana, or the triggers or something like that. But at any rate, it's kind of a cool feature that I'm sure will feel really good for like like you mentioned driving games. Um, you know, if we do get Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever, you know, using a bow would, would be really cool with those adaptive triggers. But yeah, that's basically about it. Uh, rechargeable battery, just like the DualShock 4 um, USB-C, which is to be expected. But Adam, what are your overall thoughts of some of these features that they outlined? And then what do you think of this design that they've went with? 
Yeah. So first off, uh, R.I.P. DualShock. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting rid of getting rid of the old tried and true name for their controllers that they've been using for almost yeah. ever with the PlayStation exactly. brand. So kind of sad to see that go, but it totally makes sense. Uh, you know, with uh, Dual Sense, like it, it kind of yeah. You you get kind of that extra level of immersion that yeah. uh, you know takes your your physical senses into account so um so it makes sense that they they would change the name um but just kind of sad to see the the old name go um other than that the you know it, it's just going to be one of those things like i, I don't know it, for for me it, listening to all these features and everything like it's still just a controller right it's a means for me to play my video games um I'm I'm a little skeptical of the you know things like the the adaptive triggers and and everything just mm-hmm. mostly because of the Nintendo Switch like they kind of I feel kind of burned by by the Joy-Cons because uh you know all the things they said it could do and and honestly I I find that the um HD rumble as as they call it is is more annoying than anything right um cuz it it just it's sometimes they would just rumble so hard I think that the Joy-Con is just going to break Oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I played the Switch in bed, and Meg's lying with the headphones on, and Meg is, like, lying next to me, and they're going crazy, and she's like, what is going on over there? <laughs> so, when it comes to fancy features like that, I'm a little skeptical until I see it in action. Yeah. Um, everything else, I mean, honestly, is just kind of the same, just sort of reinvented. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know much about the create button, but we figure it's going to be similar to share, but maybe some additional features. Um, I'd say the biggest thing I'm interested in, well, two biggest things I'm interested in are the light bar being kind of taken out of there Mm -hmm. and sort of just kind of having a back light sort of on the edges of the, uh, that middle, uh, touchpad Mm -hmm. and, uh, figuring that that's going to increase battery life because I mean, we all know the DualShock 4 battery life is just abysmal. Um, so I'm hoping that increases battery life on the dual sense um and then other than that i think just the shape of it like the ergonomics it looks like a, it might help prevent claw hand a little bit yeah. um because i i don't think the dual shock 4 is really bad but i mean definitely after long play sessions i get um you know in in my lower fingers like my pinky and ring fingers like they they definitely feel fatigued oh, after sure. uh, long play sessions so hopefully this this one fixes that yeah i'm really interested cuz i don't know the in this they don't really i don't know if maybe they've released it since then like what the dimensions are of this controller but it'd be interesting to see like it side by side with a dual shock just to see how is it bigger cuz it definitely just looking at the picture it looks bigger like it looks more to the the likes of an Xbox One controller or even like a, a Switch Pro controller or something like that, whereas the DualShock 4 was much skinnier. And um, yeah, that, I think that was part of the reason why, you know, those long play sessions were so uncomfortable. It, they definitely seem to have, I think that was pretty common feedback that people gave for the DualShock 4. So I'm really glad to see that they've changed that up a bit. What do you think of the the two tone color? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I when I first saw it, I I had a double take because you like for the last several years now we've seen all these like mock up concept art, like fake concept arts of 
you know, the PlayStation 5 controller, and a lot of them have looked so silly. And I saw this one on my Twitter feed when it, you know, was announced, and I was like, oh, look at this one. This is a kind of an interesting concept art that someone's made. And then I saw that PlayStation was tweeting. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. hold up. This is this is what <laughs> they're doing. So I don't like it either, personally. I wish it was all black um, or all mm-hmm. whites. Just yeah. stick to, to one or the other. I mean, it's it's likely that they're going to release other color schemes. I mean, that's how they make con- some money off of exactly uh, off of controllers, right? Um, add add different styles, you know, special edition ones that release um, to keep people buying controllers and stuff like that. Like, I don't know about you, but I have more controllers than I need for just me and Megan living together. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they know people will go out and buy controllers that look pretty and everything like that. So that's to be expected. It'll be interesting to see if they all these the the first wave of color schemes are also going to be two tone that either contrast or complement each other. But yeah, I just yeah, I just wish they would have. It's weird and. Again, a lot of people have already talked about this, but this is a, a good hint of possibly what the PlayStation 5 console will look like itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will it be a white console uh, with some black accents? Will it be a black console with white accents? Will it have blue accents? You know, it's hard to say, but uh, we can, mo- mo- as, as long as history uh, continue, or I'm, I'm butchering that expression, but basically, if we look at the previous consoles, you know, most of the time con- the the controllers match with what the console looks like. They always pair nicely together. So, yeah, it'll be that's the next big thing, I guess, is what is the PlayStation Five going to look like and what the color is going to be and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is something like I think would have been better suited as something to buy along with it, like. Mm-hmm you know package in and it's funny because like this like you mentioned this looked like something someone would would do a Mm mock-up on well here after this had been announced someone went and did a mock-up of an all-black controller yeah i saw that one and it looked so much better way better and i'm like why why aren't we just doing this and you know if you really wanted to put this two-tone thing out there like have it as uh an optional purchase like Mm -hmm. you know someone wants a second controller and they think it's cool and they buy it right but yeah, I, I don't like that that's the pack-in. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I, I really am hoping that this generation, Sony kind of copies Xbox in a way of giving us like a, a design lab of sorts or being able to customize controllers. And I know that that costs a lot of money like for Microsoft to, to make those custom controllers all the time. But that was that's really cool. And I mean... Controllers are the one thing that I think a lot of people play video games, like like I mentioned, they like to collect different colors. It's it's showing their, you know what what they're they're into and what their style is. And there's a reason why people are still demanding that, you know, we can do that with Joy Cons, right? Being able to, you know, choose our own colors and order them in and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I we obviously won't see that kind of stuff until post launch, I suspect, but. At any rate, we, we got the controller. It was a little weird on how they just kind of put it in a blog post. Like, wh- why? Um, a lot of... Uh, I think, actually, it was confirmed that the reason why that they did this is um, the, the whole pandemic thing has really 
like a lot of industries out there has really created issues and what they had planned for um, 2020 and how they were going to release things and announce things and stuff. So I think that's, and there is, I think also they were starting to send these out to developers and everything. So they're like, let's just get ahead of the curve and uh, get this out there before people start leaking it on Twitter and 4chan and everything like that. So but yeah, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to to see it next to that dual shock and and start hearing some hands-on impressions of it. All right, well, let's move into talking about Final Fantasy 7 remake. So Adam, I I just want to get the get straight to the the chase here. <laughs> what what's uh what do you think of Final Fantasy 7? So there's you know, people have, have um, you know, played games that, that they've thought to themselves, like, um, I wish I could experience that again for the first time. Right. And this is exactly what's happening <laughs> for me right now. Um, it's Final Fantasy VII. You know, I, I've talked about it on the show uh, more than once, for sure, as one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I love the original Final Fantasy VII, so... Uh, there were there were certainly big shoes to fill here, um, and it Square Enix totally delivered. Um, it met expectations and more. Uh, I I had a really good time with it. Um, soundtrack is fantastic. The the gameplay is fun. Um, it really it really like it it made me feel like a kid again, like yeah, playing this yeah. because it was you know those those classic. Final Fantasy VII moments with the classics, but like remastered soundtrack and yeah, it just um, I I felt like a kid. Uh, it was it was great. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad that because like you never know, right? When you when something so like close to you, something that you appreciate so much is you know being tinkered with, um, and you have these high expectations. You know, you never know what to expect, right? Like, I the excitement you had for Final Fantasy VII was, for whatever reason, the excitement level I had for Death Stranding, which I've talked about on the show before, why I was excited for that game. But, you know, you, there's always a little bit right before it's coming of like, you know, you're you're worried that you're it's not going to to meet those expectations and stuff. So I'm really glad to hear that it's it's everything that you've dreamed of, and you're really impressed with it. Yeah, they um, they sort of they they kept really close to the source material of the original Final Fantasy VII, at least in the the Midgar section, which we talked about before. In the original mm. game, that's like the first three to four hours, right. and when you play it for the first time, you know it almost feels like that's going to be the entire game is Midgar, um, because it it really it really sets the stage for the game, and and it sets it well. And the fact that you spend so much time in, in just kind of this one area, but it's like it's so many different areas in one, um, it, you know, sometimes it can be easy to forget that you're just still in that one city. Right. And, um, you know, the the remake captured that entirely. Like um, it really was interesting to kind of see like in, in the original game, you're you're mostly looking, I guess, at kind of when you're in Midgar, it's more of like a top down uh, perspective mm-hmm. uh, in each of the areas that you're in. So you don't really see 
uh, as much of Midgar. Mm-hmm. And in this game, they, they take that first, again, three to four hours or so, and they expand it into a 40-hour game. So you're seeing all these areas that, you know, you kind of remember, well, if you played it before, you kind you know, you remember from way back when, and, you know, certain areas that were maybe only like a screen or two long now are like these full blown, like, uh, you know, levels that you play through. And they did just a really great job of that and, and kind of bringing the, the city of Midgard to life and, um, and again, like you get to certain areas and it's like, you kind of forget that you're in Midgar and then all of a sudden you pan the camera upwards and you see the plate over top and it's like, oh yeah, like yeah. I'm literally under a, like an even larger city yeah. at this point. Um, so it's, it's really amazing to kind of get that sense of scale of, of Midgar mm-hmm. and, totally. uh, you know, these, these sort of different. I don't want to say biomes so much, but but sort of, um, you know, one area doesn't necessarily look exactly the same as as the others. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they just did a really good job staying close to the source material, but making it really fleshing things out, fleshing out characters that were, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, very minor characters before, you know, giving some some additional backstory and, uh, um, you know, exploring not just classic areas, but new areas. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just real good. Yeah, like there, there's so much good good to talk about, uh, and I can't wait to dive into more details on our review episode. But yeah, I just like you you look at this game, and I think it it's it's so good that they decided to wait this long to to remake it because yeah, like like you're saying, there's now that we ha- we have the capabilities of developing games like this quality it's it's cool that they're be- able to to give the characters more depth and and create this this city that feels like it's alive and full of people that are living in it and everything like that which you just couldn't physically do you know back back in the day with um, the level of of tech and everything like that um it's it's really phenomenal like even even that title card sequence like you said of seeing midgar and everything like that and seeing how big it is and then yeah looking up in the, at the sky and and it's 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 phenomenal like the 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 scale of the world just seems so big and even if you're kind of restricted to a smaller you know portion of a map or whatever it still feels like you're in this big there's this big world um you know, just, just on the, you know, perimeter of, of, of you and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I'm glad I didn't play the demo. Cause I was supposed to play the demo. I had it downloaded and then I never got to it for whatever reason. And then it got to a point where I was just like, well, I might as well just wait. Right. And so that first, what the first like 30 minutes ish is what the demo is. 45 or uh, 40, so yeah, some, yeah 30 to 45 yeah yeah depending on how quick you are i guess but yeah i when the like it gave me chills like the title card sequence and everything like that and i have absolutely no connection to final fantasy 7 so w- that was a great way to kind of set set the stage for me of like wow i'm literally getting goosebumps from a game that i i don't resonate with um that's that's pretty impressive right i've haven't it's been a it's been a while since i've had a game do that for me 
And yeah, the I one thing I did want to mention is I feel like the pacing of it. Now, mind you, I still have a lot to go. I know that it's a it's a long game, but the pacing feels like like good to me. Like it doesn't feel like I'm stuck doing. Um, you know how sometimes you you find these games and you hit really awesome story beats and then you're kind of stuck doing crap that you don't really care about too much and you just want to get on with the the next thing you know there's still side missions and everything like that but i feel like it's really well balanced and it never like i never feel like i'm eager to get this over with and and keep Mm -hmm. going kind of thing right now like i said it's probably because i'm still fairly early on but you know i i uh yeah, there there's so many games out there that I play that I'm just I get bored I'll get bored or I I just want to fast forward to the good parts kind of thing and every single part that I've been playing is the good part which is you know speaks for itself I think. Yeah, there are some uh some sections towards the end of the game that I I personally I don't know if everyone feels this way but I personally felt like uh kind of went just a little bit too long. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I kind of get, I know we, at least in our, our group, uh, chat thing kind of mm-hmm. gave Tom Marks a little bit of, um, we kind of gave him a little bit of hell because of him dinging it based on some fluff, uh, towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And so while I wouldn't ding at any points for that, I definitely see where someone could get to, you know, the later portion of the game and think, okay, there is a little bit of fluff here. Right. That, doesn't necessarily need to be so i i kind of get where he's coming from from that again i wouldn't really necessarily dock at any points for it because mm-hmm. in the end like it's more final fantasy like it's yeah. just the the game gets to keep going because you know this sequence is a little longer than mm-hmm. than it could be so it was kind of a it, it was kind of a a bittersweet thing in in some of those sections yeah. but um yeah it, it was because there's a lot of new content, obviously, like when you're taking a small section of a four, like the original game, you could really probably get through in about 40 hours or so, um, which really makes it kind of hard to believe that I yeah. could have played the original game in the same amount of time it took me to play through through like the, the remake. First section, which is just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, again, like I made a comment in our, our group chat, I, you know, I was several chapters in, you know, maybe five, six, seven, maybe chapter eight, somewhere in there. And I, I made a comment of like, I would have been long gone yeah. from Midgar at this point. Like right. this would have been way back in the rear view mirror. And uh, yeah, here I was right in the middle. So yeah, they added a lot of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and for the most part, it was all really good. Um, but again, a little bit towards the end, some of the new things that they added just went a little bit too long, I thought, but um, nothing entirely detrimental to right. the game by any means. Yeah, fair enough. One thing I did want to mention is, so for, I've talked about it on the show, but my exposure to Final Fantasy is pretty limited. I don't know too much about the franchise. Um, and anything I do know is is literally what you've told me, Adam, and then what my older sister has told me, because she was like 10, um, is one of her, her favorites. And I watched her play that game for hours. Um and I never had interest in playing it. I just loved watching her play. And 15 was my first real go at Final Fantasy. And 
I I'm glad that this is when I kind of decided to get into Final Fantasy because not that I don't like turn-based um, combat or anything like that. I mean, I like Pokemon games. I like I like Fire Emblem. Um, you know, there's lots of turn-based games out there that I, I actually quite enjoy. But I I I think I just like um, the going. The, the the thing about Final Fantasy for me that always made it weird is like the, the overworld of like walking around, going from place to place, talking to people, and then going into the combat sequences. Um, I just never, for whatever reason, like I I just I didn't like playing that. I was fine watching someone do that, but I personally just I didn't like the interruptions constantly and. With Final Fantasy 15 and Final Fantasy 7 remake, like just seamlessly going between cutscenes to combat to running around the the world and the map and and talking to people and stuff like that, like a modern game, most modern games are like, you know, that's why I like it. So I'm glad that Final Fantasy has kind of moved into this direction. Now, you're the Final Fantasy fan, so I wanted to ask you, like, in comparison to, because 15 was, I, I won't say. I guess it was kind of controversial in a sense like there was a, a lot of people that really enjoyed it and there's some really big diehard Final Fantasy fans that didn't like it so what it like what are your thoughts on this the new combat system and moving away from turn-based and just having a new style of game so I I'm actually kind of all for it like I we've talked about 15 a couple times on the show and I love 15 I I had a really great time with 15. I know um, it gets, I don't know, it gets a lot more hate than I think it deserves. Um, that I think the combat was was really fun in 15. I like that it was a little bit more action oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, I didn't like the magic system at all in 15. Yeah. Uh, it drove me nuts. So I like that uh, with, with 7, they kind of took the action of 15 and gave it sort of a classic touch right. uh, with the the active uh the active time gauges that you get mm-hmm. uh to where you can slow things down and you can choose your next action and and so it, it kind of is a really really um it's a really clever blend of action and turn-based gaming yeah and they they nailed it like it's it's really oh, really it's so fun. good yeah yeah <laughs> so big kudos for them for kind of uh stepping away from turn-based because you know a lot of the the core fan base that's you know into this and have been into final fantasy for so many years know seven as as a classic turn-based game Mm -hmm. and this is not really like that now there's Mm -hmm. a setting to to get a little bit closer to that but it's still not really quite quite the same um but yeah they they took a risk on something that could have really upset a lot of people and and they nailed it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean I I think that the combat system, and again, I'll go more detail in our review episode, but it's definitely one of the biggest highlights for the game for me. It's um, Megan was watching me play it, and Megan's not really into anime at all. <laughs> like her only exposure of anime is through through me, and my exposure like is basically like Pokemon and like Yu Gi Oh and some of the more <laughs> you know animes that are kind of for western audiences but i uh she's watching it and she's kind of like i don't understand this is really weird and i'm trying to explain it to her 
And the one thing I did explain to her was that, you know, the this is what makes this game really, really stand out to me. And I explained it to her and she actually um, understood kind of where I was coming from of how how this the combat system makes for exciting gameplay and makes you it just feel it feels great to to engage in combat whenever i come into combat i'm like i you know you know how some games combat can feel very repetitive and dull and it's just there for the sake of being there or for plot or whatever this is fun like the the tension has gone towards and it's really paid off so yeah not only that but like um the game is very cinematic Mm -hmm. and um and without getting too much into the details of like boss fights Mm -hmm. um like the boss fights are also fairly cinematic and uh they're kind of like set pieces in their own right um and so they they did a really good job with that of kind of um making the fights unique Mm -hmm. and really entertaining and very uh thought-provoking strategy wise um even just like regular battles like if you're playing on normal mode like you're not gonna probably do very well if you're just mashing the square button to attack like you really need to think tactically and and that's even more true for boss fights and so it was really nice the way they um the way they they make you think and they you know kind of set these kind of cinematic battles and uh you know with different phases and things like that so it was it was really cool um I, i was glad to see that and they the music for these fights are just incredible too. the way they, uh, you know, they took the original like boss theme and the original battle theme from final fantasy seven. And they, they remixed those two tracks, like so many Mm -hmm. different ways. Like, I don't know that any, like any boss fight had the exact same battle music. Um, so it was, uh, really, really neat to, to see those kind of tweaks that they made. Totally. The, the music is a standout for sure. The, the big orchestra it just it gets you hyped for those battles and everything like that i really i really enjoy that as well um was there any other things you wanted to touch on briefly before cuz like i'm i i i really want to talk about so many things right now <laughs> and it's i'm sure just just like you it's hard to to hold back some of the comments and stuff but mm-hmm. um yeah, I think I think like that review episode will will go much more in depth of talking about you know from from not not from start to finish, but talking about you know what we thought of how the game progressed and talking about more story beats and con- the combat systems, uh, you know personal experiences we had in the game and stuff like that. Uh, I think I think the it's going to be a, a big review episode, pretty long, but. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about those things because we're also going to have your brother Steven on there and as well as Garrett. And I feel like we're all are you and your brother definitely, I think, um, you know, have much more exposure to I I, I I don't mean to speak to for, for, for Garrett, but I think me it's clear that you and Steven know much more about Final Fantasy than we do. I think Garrett knows more than I do. Um, but it's kind of cool, right, that we're going to have all these different, you know, levels of, you know, I think, I don't know if Garrett, did he say that he started the the original before? I think he, I wants, think he, he wants to play it after he right. plays this yeah. one. 
Yeah, and I mean, I understand why where, where people are coming from with that. I've seen that a lot on Twitter because I, I, it's it's mind boggling that we've already mentioned, but the fact that they've stretched out like that first portion into a 40 hour game and everything like that. Like I, I just want to see for myself all the things that they've added, you know, just to compare them. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's kind of one of those things. Like I recommend like anybody that hasn't played the original game, like even if you only play through the first, you know, three, four, maybe five, depending on how many or like how much time you spend with it. Mm -hmm. But those first several hours, and you'll basically have played the section that Final Fantasy VII Remake is based on. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not a huge time commitment if yeah. you want to uh, play the original just to see the differences and, and kind of how everything plays out. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, there's a whole, you know, rest of the game, too, which is really good. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, I've played that more times than I could probably count uh the original final fantasy seven that is yeah. and it's it's so good like it's it's definitely worth playing uh a lot of people like to bag on it at, these days like it's popular for to dislike final fantasy seven and i think that's just because it's it's you know arguably arguably the most popular final yeah. fantasy because it was so many people's first final fantasy right um but i i think it holds up better than most people give it credit for um i know there was been some complaints about like translation stuff which again i don't think is a huge detriment to the game i think mm-hmm. it's still enjoyable um so i i highly recommend it i think it's really good um i will say with our spoiler episode um i don't know if it's a, <laughs> i'm just trying to think like i don't know if it's a good idea to if because it's inevitably going to cause spoiler discussion for the original game right. um so I mean, it might per- be something to be prepared for, yeah. although it is 20 some year old game. Well, but- that's that's what I was going to say is like, even though I haven't played the game, I, I have seen major moments in the game, certain characters and what happens to them and stuff like that. I actually think <laughs> I've actually watched the, the ending of that game before. So like, mm-hmm. I'm vaguely familiar with where the storyline is going. So I... But yeah, like you said, it's been out for some time. Um, But I think, again, you can speak more to this, but it sounds like there's, because they've added so much stuff, there's, I think there's stuff in this game that are are brand new that some people probably want to, you know, see for themselves kind of thing and, and, Mm -hmm. and see in the remake. So I guess those are more... We'll also be talking a little bit when we go into spoiler discussion about stuff that, you know, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII Remake yet, you know, listen to the first half of the show. If you've completed it here, you know, we can start talking about some of those other other things and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Before we move on, I did want to ask you one question. So, obviously, with we're, we're going to see another part to this game, whether it's going to be just another you know part two or part two of three you know we're, we're not it hasn't been confirmed yet there's lots of speculation and we've even talked about it on the show but the question i have for you is do you think so the, the fact that they put so much work into such a you know what a again i guess okay first before i ask this question 
So how <laughs> much of the game is is left in in terms of like what this game, the remake is of the original, if that makes sense. <laughs> so if they were going to remake the original um so if this is like five if we if we figure midgar is like five hours mm-hmm. out of say a 40 hour game so yeah um, we still got like 35 maybe 30 hours left of the original mm-hmm. yeah pretty pretty uh so it's in the grand scheme of things it's a pretty small chunk of the game Although, like I said before, when you play it for the first time, it feels like you're like that's going to be the full game yeah. is you and that in in Midgar. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's it, it is really just a small portion of the game. What I I think they could pull it off in a trilogy, whether or not they go above three games or not, uh, is entirely possible yeah. depending on how much care they want to like if if they want to make. Uh, key key parts of the game as long as what they made just Midgar alone, which I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. Um, it it could go on for a very long time, but I think they they could, based on what I saw in this game and the way they kind of, like I said, uh, kind of that little bit of fluff that was added in there. I think what they could do is take essentially the rest of disc one, and make that remake the the second part of remake, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, and then essentially disc two and three, they could make a third game, which right. sounds like a lot. But the third disc was really just uh, the basically end game right. um, was all the third disc was. So gotcha, okay. I think there's a real possibility, like if they're following, continue to follow the game uh, source material as is, I think they could do it in three parts. But, you know, I maybe wouldn't be surprised if they did more, mm-hmm. maybe four. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess my question is then, do you think like Square Enix has a bit off more than they can chew? Like, do you, do we think that <laughs> they are going to be able to finish off this game to the same level that they've been able to achieve the, the first part here? Like, do you think the whether it's going to be, you know, two two more games after this and do do we think they're going to meet that level of of polish and, uh, that this one had? I think so. I think if they keep it within Square Enix, I think they can do it. They keep yeah. it first first party for them. Yeah. Um I think they can do it cuz we know the original development for remake here was was yeah. a third party at one point and it didn't go well, so they kind of had to scrap things yeah. and, and restart. So I think they've got, you know, they have the engine for it. They've got a lot of the building blocks. They have uh, essentially the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess. Or, or right. at least the, the main portions of it kind of created already if if they choose to stick with the uh, the original game. Um, that, yeah, I think, I think they could maintain that same level of polish. I think it could still, you know, be the same quality that we're seeing out of the first part here. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I think the the question is, do they ship it off to another studio um, yeah. now that this first part's done and say, hey, here's here's the source material, you know, we'll kind of oversee things, but it's up to you to make this game. Um, in which case, you know, there I, I might be a little concerned at that point, mm-hmm. but I think if they keep it in house, I think it'll be fine. But then, of course, you know, we probably won't see anything like a Final Fantasy 16 for like ever. So, right. Uh, it just, I think, kind of depends on on what their priorities are as a company. 
Yeah, totally. It, I mean, it's it's going to be tough because if they they decrease and I like even if the they roughly take the same amount um, of what the you know the same kind of like translation of how much the original was to the first part of the remake to you know remaking the next part or whatever to kind of be the same amount or whatever you know if if they if they slip up and they don't put enough content or it it doesn't have that same level that the first part is that could really affect things you know i i think you're right that's a, such a solid point that if they keep it in house that can help uh if they don't that it could you know hinder them a little bit but i guess only time will tell you know i'm really eager to like a lot of people to, to see what the roadmap looks like for this game because I mean, if we had, and, and like you said, we did kind of have to reset, they reset the, so we kind of started our clocks again of when, how long we had to wait for this game to come out, um, even though we had already waited for a bit, you know, when is, when is the next part going to come? Is it going to come next year? Are we going to have to wait a couple years? You know, is it going to be like 10 years before we finally finish this? Like, are we going to be on PlayStation 7? Like, you know what I mean? Like it, time will tell, but it's uh it's definitely something that i think fans want yeah there was uh from what i recall and i don't have it i don't have it handy right now but i believe there was an interview with uh namora Mm -hmm. who i I believe was the uh, director for the game yeah and when asked about it i think he he was basically saying expect it to kind of take take a while take some time between games and and then it sounded like someone else from the team kind of came out and retconned that a little bit and was like, hey, we're, like, we're actually further along than what you might think. So, I mean, the second one, I guess, is, is in the works. And, um, you know, if if so, it sounds like that's still in-house for them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe we'll get it sooner than what we all think, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed, because I need more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you think we'll get Final Fantasy... And again, not like it's been announced, but do you think we'll get 16 before we get the second part to this? I I don't. I think I think we'll see part two of this before we get 16. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, whether we get part three or 16 yeah. first, we'll, we'll have to see. But there hasn't been any, any rumor or, see, yeah. you know, anything to indicate that 16 is, is a thing right now. So... Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And it, it depends on how many development teams they have within Square to be yeah. able to work on, uh, you know, several games at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if 16 started development when the before or like they were already in the process of it from the original Final Fantasy VII remake that was started, you know, who knows what, how far along 16, like, I guess once once that game is finally announced, we'll know. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm really excited to see what uh, if we'll get anything this summer from Square. I know that they're probably going to do some stuff around. Uh, I think they're supposed to be at that summer of gaming with IGN, uh, that digital oh, like yeah uh, digital event that they're hosting in place of E3, and they might even do their own kind of thing. I'm hoping that this year but again like the whole pandemic thing has probably shifted a lot of things around that we don't even know about so yeah um yeah i guess we'll we'll like we just gotta just gotta wait (laughs) well i guess we'll we'll shelve that 
conversation for now and uh yeah like the plan is to have it recording next the on the 26th is our tentative date and I'm, I'm hoping we can hit that um so that we can do that so you guys won't have to wait too much longer to hear more thoughts about that and i know a lot of people are still kind of taking their time through final fantasy 7 so i'm not too concerned about pushing it out the door um so all right well let's i okay so the next thing i wanted to talk about before we get into ending off the show so i've literally been meaning to mention this on this show for several weeks like since we did this at the beginning of the year i've wanted to bring it up and i just kept on forgetting and then i finally remembered to put it in the show notes today so this is i i gotta be honest i got this um i was made aware of this site through kind of funny they did it on uh ps i love you podcast and so I, I saw it and thought this would be a great thing for me, Adam, Garrett, and uh, your brother Steven, who we all kind of have a group chat going on Discord where we talk about video games and everything else. And I thought it'd be fun for the four of us to do it. Basically what it is, it's called fantasycritic.games. Um, and so it's a fantasy league for video games. And basically the best way for me to explain it is instead of a team, you're kind of have you you have a publisher, I guess, because we're putting this into video game terms and you draft instead of, you know, players or whatever or teams you're drafting video games. And the way the points work is so a video game releases, uh, what its score is on, I think it's Open Critic, I believe is the one. I Yeah, it's not mm-hmm, Metacritic, yeah. it's Open Critic. So whatever it scores on Open Critic, which takes a bunch of different reviews and, and kind of takes the average or whatever, whatever that, so basically the, the base level is 70, okay? So if there are games that, let's say, get 85, and that's one of your games, you would get 15 points up right because that's that's 15 from 70 if you if the game on open credit gets a lower score than 70 so let's say 60 that's actually minus 10 points um and then i believe there's a part where if the game scores above 90 i think points actually double mm-hmm. yeah yeah two, two points for anything above uh for any point above 90 so yeah. like at 92 um or i'd say like 90 See, so if at 90, you're at 20 points, but the game scores a 94, you would have 28 points. Right, yeah. So that's kind of how the system works. And so, yeah, we created our own league called Games Are Fun, of course. And we got Garrett. um, His publisher is called LPP Productions. And Adam, you got Project Palooza Incorporated. And then your brother uh, stole Level Grind Entertainment. (laughs) Um, And then for myself, I got Gaff Games, uh, obviously for games are fun. Um, So basically how, again, I I was the the league manager. I honestly probably should have gave it to you or Garrett because I think you guys know much more about Fantasy League than... I do because I'm not really into football and I know that Garrett like runs a fantasy league and everything like that. So I probably should have got, you know, someone who knows a little bit more to manage it. 
Um, it is a little different, right, than some other fantasy leagues out there. But basically the way I set it up, and uh, I've made a couple changes here and there, is that we can we started off by drafting 12 games. Um, and so it was a snake draft, right? So uh, we go one way, then back the other, right? And so there um, we got to choose the games. Now, there were a couple little thing, extra things with this league where we could actually pick games that were unannounced. So, for example, I'm going to go through everybody's pick, but for, for myself, I made one of my picks, Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, which has actually been unannounced. So, the reason why I did that is because, let's say, this summer, if we got a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel you know, announced and it's releasing, you know, with PlayStation 5, I, I lucked, I took a, a risk picking a game that was unannounced, but obviously, you know, um, it's it's going to be a very in de- high in demand uh, game because it, it's going to, based on the franchise's history, you know, it's it's probably going to be a valuable pick and everything like that. So there, it's risk, risk versus reward kind of thing. Um, so you'll kind of hear... I think all of us might have, I think only Steven really played it the safest. I think you, Garrett, and myself do have some unannounced games on there. So that will be interesting. But um, so there's that. Uh, I also left it open so that we could add some games that are unannounced. We each have two spots right now. Now, if a game is not coming out, so it's been confirmed that it will not release in 2020, we can drop that game no penalty we are allowed to drop one game for any reason. So let's say there's a game coming up and some previews are saying this game sucks. You know, if we're like, oh man, that could really, you know, affect my overall score. I'm going to drop that game right now. I can choose that for, for that. The reason why I limited it to one is to kind of, you know, make us stick to our choices that we made. Otherwise, if we had it unlimited, we could just drop all those shitty games that was like, oh, this game's going to be <laughs> bad. You know, there's not really a strategy there. So, um, so yeah, that's basically how it works. Uh, I, I don't know how clear that was to, to you guys listening, but, um, you know, it will kind of make a little bit more sense when I go over some of the games that we pick. So, I, I did want to, so we started this, I think we started in January. I think we were pretty. Yeah, it was early on in the year for sure. Yeah. Uh, it might have been February. Maybe. I think it was right before Dreams came out. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think that was one of the, well, one of the first games that got posted on here. Um, so yeah, we we made our picks. Um, I got to pick first. It went me, Garrett, Steven, and then Adam, and then. Adam picked again, back to Steven, Garrett, me, so on and so forth. So uh, I'll go over myself. How should we do this? Should we go over each person and or should we go in the order they were picked? I don't know. Uh, maybe just do it by person. Yeah, that's what I was I was going to plan, plan on doing. So for myself, I got the first pick. I picked The Last of Us Part 2, which now I'm kind of a little worried about because it's been delayed indefinitely. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm hoping that it just gets like a new release date or something. So I got Last of Us Part 2. I got Halo Infinite. Uh, I got Neo 2, which already has been posted. So it got a critic score of 86, meaning I got 16 points from that. 
Watch Dogs Legion, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Gears Tactics, Predator Hunting Grounds, uh, Tell Me Why, which is from the studio Don't Nod, Life is Strange, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, Unannounced, Minecraft Dungeons, Wasteland 3, and a big risk here, Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> <laughs> so some safe bets there, some wild ones. Um, you know, this is obviously before the pandemic, and this was even before like Final Fantasy and Cyberpunk got delayed, I think. So yeah, <laughs> there, there's already been a ton of changes since we first made these picks. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these play out if they even do launch this year. But uh, moving on to Garrett. Uh, Garrett got second pick, so he picked Cyberpunk 2077, and then he went with Resident Evil 3, which got a, a critic score of 80, leaving him with 10 points, and then Half-Life Alex, which got a critic score of 92, so he got a 25 points for that one. The Legend of Zelda Breath of Wild 2, which is a very risky risky game to pick, because we have, we have no idea when that game's coming out yet. Uh, MLB The Show 20. That got a critic score of 84, left him with 14 points. Axiom Verge 2, Dying Light 2, Assassin's Creed 2020, which is, as of this recording, unannounced. Uh, Dreams, which scored a 90, so that got him 20 points. Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty 2020, which is unannounced, but I think it's expected. And then Sports Story. So, so far right now, Garrett, who's actually in the lead, he has 68 points. Um... Looking at his, like, he has a really solid list. Um, I That Half-Life Alex really helped him out there, too, with that 25 points. But even Dreams, right? Like, getting a 90, like, that was a very yeah. big score for and him. And he picked that really late in the draft, yeah. too. So that was a strong, but he did have a pretty, not the greatest showing for Resident yeah. Evil 3, which was his second pick. Yeah, so. and only 10 points on that. So yeah. moving on to Steven. Uh, so Steven got that Final Fantasy VII remake, which has an 88 critic score, it left him with 18 points. Honestly, I don't understand that score either. I really don't. Yeah, <laughs> 88 just seems way too low. That I game agree. is such a, a so, so high quality. I don't understand. Very odd. Uh, his second pick was Animal Crossing: New Horizons, which got a 90, so he got 20 points on that. Ori in the Will of the Wisp, which also got a 90, so another 20 points for him. Then he got Microsoft Flight Simulator. Baldur's Gate 3, Godfall. And then here's what really <laughs> screwed Steven. He he picked Warcraft 3 Reforged, which got a 59. So he got minus 11 points on that, which was a huge blow. And that was yeah. actually, I think, his first like uh, points that were given to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he yeah. was already in the negative right off the bat. Uh, then he got Shantae and the Seven Sirens, Psychonauts 2, Destroy All Humans, and Bravely Default 2. Uh, he also has three spots left um, instead of two because he also his biggest risk was he picked Skull and Bones, and Skull and Bones was confirmed not to come out this year. Um, so then that automatically just got taken off. And then for you, Adam, uh, Ghost of Tsushima as your first pick. Hopefully that's still still coming out. <laughs> And then you got Doom Eternal for your second, which got you a critic score of 89, which was 19 points. So not bad on that one. Hollow Knight, Silk Song, Elden Ring, Marvel's Avengers. And then this was a huge win for you. 
Persona 5 Royal, which got a 95 critic score, which left you with 30 points. Yeah, what a steal there. Yeah. You know, I, I saw that coming into that round. And this was like, because uh, you kind of get, a, like, when you get to pick, right. and it gives you sort of the list of games um, that are coming out this year or maybe suspected to come out this year. And you have, like, it was all the big things. Like, it was the Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. Cyberpunk, Final Fantasy. Like, all the big things. And Persona 5 got buried pages right. deep yeah. in this thing. And I happened to see it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to take this because worst case, it's going to score as good as the original Persona 5 did. Yeah. Which was really like that at least was a 90 on its own. Mm -hmm. And I think Royal scored higher than original Persona 5. Yeah. And so that game was an absolute steal for me. I'm so excited about that one. (laughs) That was really, really good start for you. And then you had Senua's Saga Hellblade 2, 12 minutes, which I'm so excited for that game. It looks rad. Um, Spelunky 2, Diablo 4, and then here here's a risky pick, Untitled Batman Game from WB Games Montreal, which is unannounced, but has been teased like <laughs> several times at this yeah. point. So every time it gets teased, I'm like, man, Adam could have a big payoff if that, can, that game comes out uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see because they were supposed to have something at E3 this year. Yeah, that's right. So... I mean, it's 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 still possible. It's either either that or that weird like Harry Potter game that was. Oh, that's right. I forgot leaked, about that. Like, yeah. oh man, like a year and a bit ago, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and then Tales of Arise was your last pick there. So yeah, Adam had has currently has forty nine. Stephen with forty seven. Garrett with sixty eight. And then I only have sixteen. But in fairness, only one of my games have been reviewed so far. Um, which is Neo 2. So uh, there's like projected points um, based on, you know, what they expect games to kind of score and stuff like that. Uh, so at, uh, Adam is projected at 156.5. Garrett is at, sorry, I should have done this in order from least to, to best. But Garrett, sorry, is projected with the most points at 157.14. Adam, you're your second with 156.5. Steven with 136.52 and then I'm at the the bottom with projected points of 131.71 so I got a lot of ways to go um but yeah I just wanted to share that because it's kind of kind of interesting um I wish there was like a a better link for me to tell you where you guys could go to because you can see these results for yourself but what I'm gonna do is from now on until the rest of the year this link for this uh, league on fantasy critic is going to be in the show notes of the podcast so if you're ever interested on where we're going with that go in the show notes link there um you know we'll also keep you guys up to date on how this progresses and stuff i i keep a casual eye on it every now and then when a big game releases i'll be like oh yeah well how's that uh, fantasy critic going so um yeah once we get to some of these bigger games releasing uh, if they do release, we'll we'll let you guys know what the scores are looking like, or if anyone ends up getting dinged, we'll we'll talk about it on the show. All right, um, so I'm gonna skip what we've been playing because we obviously have been playing Final Fantasy VII and yeah. we've been playing <laughs> Animal Crossing, which we've yeah. talked uh, about <laughs> a lot, and 
like that's literally all I've been playing. I'm sure that's same. the same with you. Yeah. yeah. So let's just move on to end off the show with question of the week. So last week we asked you guys, does the length of a game play a factor on how much you're willing to spend on it? I apologize. I dropped the ball and totally forgot to post this question of the week until like way late after the episode aired. So if you guys were looking for a place to respond, I apologize. Um, That being said, we actually did get five responses that I'll read out now. So over on Twitter at LordlyKingSDot. Uh, He says, not so much. Related to ours is replayability, though, and that is a big factor for me. My library is full of games I've played multiple times or have gone back to with hundreds of hours played in some. And then at BJBernardo10 says, I wouldn't buy shorter games before, thinking it was too expensive for a short experience. But thanks to Xbox Game Pass, changing my mind about shorter games, I now wouldn't hesitate to buy one. It doesn't matter if it's a long game as long as I think it will be fun. I just wanted to point out that that's a really good sell for Game Pass of like, you know, showing people that indie games and smaller experiences are just as good as big AAA games that are, you know, 50, 60 hours long. So that's a great response, BJ. Then we got at the Bobo Hotip, I believe is how that's pronounced. Uh, I suppose it depends on replayability. So again, furthering what uh, your brother Steven said there. And then at grand underscore video says, I like them short, easy, and cheap. <laughs> and then at Geeksplore Pod says, I used to. In my youth, I love being able to are tens of hours into a game, but now I find it hard to finish anything epic. So thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to respond to this week, the, I guess, well, last week's question now. Adam, how about yourself? does a length of game play a factor on how much you're willing to spend on it? No, I don't think so. No, as long as it looks, as long as it looks good, looks like something I'd be into. Um, I'm willing to, you know, pick up the game regardless. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, same here. I mean, I, I used to have that impression that short indie games, you know, if they're, over like you know if, if an indie game's ten dollars that that's justified but if there was an indie game that was you know above 30 or creeping into 40 it was kind of like you know why why am i going to pay this but yeah as i've kind of gotten older and played a lot more games a lot more indie games i've kind of appreciated those shorter experiences and then obviously just getting older and getting busier it's like it's kind of nice to have a short game yeah um now you know would I spend a full $80 Canadian uh, full price for a six hour game? Probably not. But I mean, if it's something, if it's a part of a franchise that I'm a really big fan of, or the gameplay is just really solid for those six hours, then I'm I'm maybe going to consider it. But um, you know, it's, it's probably, I'd probably just wait for a sale. Um, You know, anything less than 10 hours, at full price is sometimes hard to justify unless it it looks fun and it looks worthwhile. So, so this week's question: If you could choose any game to have a full fledged remake to the level of games like RE2 or and Final Fantasy VII, what would it be? So I've asked this question before: Of like, if you could choose to have any game remade or remastered, what would it be? But specifically, what I'm trying to get at with this question is 
what game would you want to have a full-fledged remake with? So if we look at Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 2 remake is way different than what the original Resident Evil was. It plays completely differently. They added some things in it. Final Fantasy VII Remake is way different than Final Fantasy VII Original. So basically what I'm asking is what kind of game, maybe it's probably going to be a, a game from back in the day that was maybe simple or, you know, was it, it's kind of stuck in what those games were for the time. What what game do you want to see modernized um, to the level of, of like a Final Fantasy Remake? So... I will. I promise I will post this question on Facebook and Twitter so you guys can answer it. I'm going to schedule that tweet to go out so I don't forget. So you can respond over on our social media sites there. Uh, if you're old school, you can also email us at contact at gamesarefunpodcast.com. I appreciate all you guys who take the time to to submit responses every week because it's really great to have that you know listener interaction with you guys. So, All right, that basically concludes this episode of games are fun adam where can people keep up with you uh, you can find me on twitter at adam palooza 85 and twitch.tv slash adam palooza 85 nice yeah i appreciated you streaming some final fantasy 7 I, I bumped in there a couple times where to check out what was going on but then you were in spots that i hadn't experienced yet so i mm-hmm. I, I was like, I want to watch you and and chat with you, but at the same time, I don't want anything spoiled. So, um, yeah, make sure you go follow Adam on Twitch. You can follow me on Twitter at Luke Allen Arm, and of course, follow the show at Games Are Fun Pod, and search for us on Facebook game uh, facebook.com slash Games Are Fun Podcast, and that's it. So, thank you so much for listening to this episode of. Games are fun. As, as long as everything goes according to plan, next Tuesday should be the Final Fantasy Remake review episode, and that will probably be the only episode for the week. Now, if things change, like I said, stick to our Twitter page to get those updates on when that's going live and any scheduling on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you all next week. See you later.